0: Today I am here with Yannick Silva, and Yannick runs um, a lot of different, uh, quite intriguing, direct response business models, um, and I've, I've known about Yannick for quite a few years. Uh, I think Yannick, yeah, a few of you will find Yannick's story quite interesting. He's um, He's been around on the Internet for quite a while and works in a different way to a lot of the ad tech community, um, and so maybe but maybe it's better if Yannick explains it himself. Yannick, do you want to just tell us a little bit about who you are and what it is that you do?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I uh, I kind of say I lead the ultimate internet lifestyle, and it's um, my business has been run pretty much with with my wife, and she's not really an integral part of it anymore. So we have two young kids, a uh, two year old and a four month old. And I started back in uh, back in 2000. Literally woke up three o'clock in the morning with this idea for a website called Instant Sales Letters, and that that pretty much took off these you know, just little sales letter templates for small business owners that they could they could kind of copy and paste for whatever whatever business they were in and, and that really took off and and then people started asking me, you know, how I did it, what I what I do online and, and that's when I started teaching internet marketing to other people specializing in how to sell content, how to sell information. And that's really what what I've been doing in one way, shape or form from everything from little e books a couple bucks, bucks all the way to a $20,000 mastermind program that, that I run. So I've you know, been all around the block there on everything in the information marketing world. And uh, just um, the last couple of years, we've, uh, we've we've gotten over $3 million in revenue with, like I said, a company, just my wife and I, and we have a couple of virtual assistants for customer support and uh, one tech guy on, on retainer. And I'm a total non, non-techie, as, as you know, Adrian. I uh, I can literally I, I can't even put up my own website if if uh, you guys had a gun to my head.
0: <laughs> so let's take a couple of to back. I mean, um, so the, the instant sales letters, and that's instantsalesletters.com, right? Yes. So that was your first that was your first um, internet product, but you were actually doing direct response before then, weren't you?
1: I was, yeah. I, I studied direct response for a while, uh, kind of fell in love with it. Uh, just the whole aspect of knowing that you could put out X number of dollars and, and see X plus Y come back. And um, I'm working for my family's Russian immigrants, and we came over when I was two and a half in 1976. And my dad, uh, one of my heroes, and came over with like two hundred sixty six dollars in his pocket and and not really knowing the, the English language, and, and he built up um, medical equipment sales and service company and like with any family business, you pretty much, uh, do odd jobs here and there, uh, working in there. And I literally, I started when I was 14, telemarketing for latex gloves, calling my own leads, following up on them, sending samples and so on, and hated it, uh, but it was great sales experience at a really early age. And then when I was 16, I was out cold calling on doctors, you know, cold calling on like 50 year old docs and on this little 16 year old punk. Uh, it was pretty interesting that anybody even, even talked to me. So I got a lot of experience, uh, early on in sales, and then, uh, one of my doctor clients gave me a Jay Abraham tape, and I was, I was pretty, you know, my eyes were kind of wide open to it, and I was just really like, wow, it's pretty amazing stuff, and, and I literally just, you know, went on a tear. Uh, reading, listening, learning as much as I could about direct response, and I started using this in my father's business, where we'd put out these full-page ads, selling a pretty complicated piece of medical equipment that previously we, we only really sold direct face-to-face uh, through through sales rep, and we are having people send us their credit cards, signing up for appointments, and, you know, essentially... Getting generate a lot of interest for these really complicated pieces of medical equipment, from EKG machines to uh, sigmoidoscopes, uh, with some of you know where, where those go, to fetal dopplers, to all kinds of stuff, uh, bone densityometers, and, and so I really got my feet wet there, um, just applying everything I was learning in a real world environment. So I, I've been doing it for a while before then, yeah.
0: What were the price points on the medical equipment that you're selling?
1: It, pretty high, depending on you know there are there anything from beetle Dopplers, which were maybe six hundred bucks or so that we're selling uh, really really well. I, I just remember one ad we I wrote uh, was getting like an eighteen hundred percent return on investment for those those things, all the way to like ten thousand dollars pieces of equipment.
0: And so you, you you've, you've been selling ten thousand dollars pieces of medical equipment just through a sales letter, where you'd send out the letter and then people would give you their credit card number.
1: Those we and we did lead generating for those the higher price stuff were, were with the highest price that we did um, straight off an ad I think were, was about four thousand dollars for an EKG machine so that you know, measures your heart rate.
0: Hmm. I mean even even that in itself is pretty interesting. Is there is there a cutoff where you'd say that you you, you the the price is too high or the, the the equipment is too complex where it does need to move from being a a sale to a lead?
1: I think that's probably more more the case. Is that the complexity of the equipment was EKG machines are pretty much uh, standard fare for most doctors' offices, so they know what what they're getting and what you know what the deal is for something more complicated that they don't necessarily know. Like, for instance, a bone densiometer, where which uh, measures uh, your you know, it's been so long uh, measures the I think like the the, the Essentially, it's for osteoporosis, and so something a little more complicated for some of the doctors that would require probably uh, in-office visit. But but we're getting people that raise their hands and they can follow up on them, and it was it's was pretty it's pretty amazing to to see that work. And my dad, you know, I I the Russian immigrant, so I'd walk in with this ad full full of copy, full of text, and he's like, Nah, nobody's going to read all this. I like that. Let's just try it. Let's see how it works. <laughs> And, so, we,
0: we and uh, so you'd been doing that stuff for a while, and then you, it just kind of naturally led to, hey, why don't I try doing something like this
1: online? Yeah, sort of. Well, the, the transition was, you know, like I said, I worked with uh, a lot of doctors, and the one transition was I started actually uh, doing a little bit of, uh, of consulting on the side with some doctors. And, and then so, so that took off. And they're starting to see results of helping them get more cosmetic patients. It's like this little, well, actually I was working with another doctor to a just helping him get more patients. Um, and so, you know, I saw that working out and what I decided to do was package up what I was doing with them into a, a $900, um, three ring binder type course. So I could sell, so I could leverage my, my expertise instead of just working with doctors one on one and Essentially, getting paid by that by for my time, um, I would I I'd then package it up and, and start selling a course to, uh, to dermatologists is where I started, and then I moved on to cosmetic surgeons and ophthalmologists, um, and other doctors who wanted to get more cosmetic patients. Mm-hmm.
0: And and then that and how did that then lead over to the InstaLifters product? Um, you know, since I was
1: working used the stuff in my dad's office for sales letters. We did the stuff with the docs for their sales letters. Um, it was late 99, and literally I didn't even have an email address. A lot of the guys that you interview, Adrian, they'd, they were online from like 93, 94. A lot of my friends were, were on there then and doing all kinds of cool stuff. So I got on what I thought was late, um, which I guess it wasn't that late. Now I, I still feel like we're we're still at the beginning of something really huge. Uh, and I I saw people were selling digitally delivered information. I thought it was a great model. Um, I remember people like Kenny Boy and Marlon Sanders and um, and a couple other people that were selling just ebooks. And I'm like wow, that's a great model. I, you know, you don't have to pay for shipping. You don't have to pay for uh, product creation. Uh, people just give you their credit cards and, and they just download your material. I'm like I want to do that. And so I literally asked myself a question. I think the questions that you ask dictate the kind of answers that you get. Mm-hmm. And the question was something along the lines of, um, how can I create an, an automatic money-making business that makes me money while I sleep, provides a great value to people, and wasn't just an ebook? I wanted to do something different than just just an ebook. So I wanted a differentiation point. And like I said, literally at, at three o'clock in the morning, woke up got the idea for instance sales
0: letters. Mm. And how did you start testing that? Did you just buy pay-per-click traffic or because what was there what was there to test with back then?
1: what, what was uh how did I start driving traffic for
0: it? Yeah. I mean obviously you knew how to write a sales letter since you've been writing a lot of sales copies. Right. How did you do the rest?
1: Yeah. So uh the first thing the first way that I got sales actually uh was from uh, Joe Vitale, actually. I have to, uh, I have to give him a, a little nod here. And uh, I had hired him to help me with the press release. And so he, as he's helping me with the press release, he checked out the product. He's like, "This is pretty good." And uh, he's like, "I'll, you know, I'll put a little mention in there for you." And uh, he was doing like a monthly newsletter or weekly—I can't remember. I think a monthly newsletter. And uh, he said, "I'll just put a little mention in there for you." And I wasn't even ready to, we, we didn't even have our credit card, uh, authorization stuff set up to integrate automatically with anything we were doing. And, uh, I remember waking up and, uh, and there were orders in there for 29.95. 95 And, you know, it's like the infomercial tells you making money while you sleep. And so I, I woke up and, and, and had these, uh, these orders in there. Not many at first, but it still is enough to get you excited and, and just to, to, just that, found that that it, it actually comes together. Um, you know, when you when you think about it versus when you actually do it and, and, and you see that it's real, it's a big difference. And yeah, you know, I still remember the very first customer that we had and, and uh where what state he ordered from. So it was it was pretty pretty exciting to, to see that. And then what I did is I I bought traffic because, you know, I, I didn't have any other ways at that point to leverage it. I tried um I put out like a press release that was the one that Joe helped me with and I don't think we got much coverage at all um, I and then I, I started buying some pay-per-click and bought some easy ads and you know, I just kind of slowly built it the first month it did $1,800 and this is for a $30 product remember and then the second month it went up to about I don't know maybe $3,600 or so so approximately doubled and then it went up to like about 7400 in the third month by the third month we had actually we had so many people asking about an affiliate program. So we had started we opened up an affiliate program by the third month. Either the third or fourth month. And uh, and then the fourth month it was somewhere around ninety four hundred, ninety six hundred in know uh, in revenue coming in. So pretty quickly built it up to a, a nice six figure business. And, you know, the funny thing is that's seven seven and a half years ago I guess. Um, more than that. And uh, and every year, uh, it still chugs along. It's uh, it's pretty crazy. I haven't touched the thing in like years. And uh, and, and last year, we did like I don't know, two hundred twenty thousand, two hundred forty thousand
0: on there. Really? So it's still doing like um, twenty grand a month.
1: Um, yeah, approximately.
0: Cool.
1: Some ones are a little better than others, but yeah, it's, it, it averages out to about that. And and it's for it's still I've raised the price, it's a forty dollar product, and now you know there's there's definitely some upsells in there, which I think are really, really important and something that that most people overlook and you know maybe will if you want to talk about that we can for a couple minutes.
0: Sure. Well yeah, um well let me make a note of that and we'll come back to it. Okay. Well actually no, maybe we should, because that I I imagine that's something that you would do that made a huge impact to this this business and the revenues behind it, didn't it?
1: Um it did. And what I do, and I originally started um, just doing an upsell on an intermediary page. So they would, they would click like, you know, I'm ready to buy or whatever that link was, and and then up would come up another page, not the order form. They'll say, you know, because you're ordering today, um, you can get the special gold version of instant sales letters for just fifteen dollars more, and here's what it includes. We have, on average, about sixty. of people go for that upsell. So it's all free money. Like when you, when people got their credit cards out, it's all free money. And uh, I think a lot of times we overlook that. It's it's such a, it's such a simple thing, but it can mean a huge difference, uh, impact wise. And, you know, the infomercial companies are great at this. They'll keep upselling you and upselling you and cross-selling and, uh, adding, you know, bumps and so on to, until you say, okay, that's enough, uh, because it's all extra revenue. Yeah, um, it's a really so good. Sort of in, in, in,
0: go ahead. Oh, sorry. Some of the some of the guys that are doing like a million a million dollars or two or even you know, three or four million dollars a month, the, um, in some of their order processes, I don't see upsells in there. I see continuity programs, but I don't see that that like yeah. in in between page. And obviously, you tested it with that in between page, and it, it did cause your over your overall revenues to stay up, didn't it? So it was worth it keeping it there.
1: Oh, absolutely! Yeah, it was it's uh, well worth it. And then we don't stop there. I mean, I, I I did stop there originally, but now we've added once they get to the actual order page, there's another there's a, a checkbox that they can add for something else, a piece of software to create headlines, and about twenty percent or so people will take that too. So the the price could go up from forty dollars, which they already originally thought they're getting in for, to uh, all the way to about ninety. Ninety-one dollars, I think, and so I'm just looking at, at stats real fast. If uh, we have, uh, let's see, the people who took just the plain version, I got, I got about. So I would have missed out on an extra uh, like forty thousand uh, dollars for the last couple months of pretty much pure, pure uh, profit. The affiliate commissions, so affiliates get paid on, on the upsells too. Um,
0: and so, could we we average that out to ten grand profit a month?
1: Uh, well, I, I went back to to January, so it'd be less than that. So it's forty grand this year. Yeah, forty grand this year. So through October.
0: Right. So not not gigantic numbers, but for not, a product little no, product, work but, that actually effectively adds yeah, its if,
1: generation for you. It's huge. Exactly. Yeah. If you're doing big numbers, the upsells are are you know enormous to add that in there. And I might have I might have miscalculated. That seems that seems kinda off.
0: All right. Well if you find other numbers you can email me those and we can make sure we get those in there. Um okay. So let's go on. Um, I'm interested in, in your business in general. I mean, you have a, a bunch of different segments to your business. You run a seminar. You um, you have your mastermind group. Um, I'm not, actually. Maybe can you talk about some of the backends you have? And then I'm interested in understanding how the how your lead generation works to to drive people into those backends and hey, because you've you've kind of. I think you followed um, someone who we both um, are in pretty interested in, a guy named Dan Kennedy. You follow a lot of Dan Kennedy stuff where he talks about build a herd. And so you build a herd and you're building products around that herd to, to sell to that herd. Does that sound correct?
1: Yeah, that, that's that's pretty much correct. Uh, I, I definitely follow Dan Kennedy model to a certain extent uh, where I'd rather, I'd rather work with a smaller number of, of customers than and try and go for the mass market and, and only make a couple of dollars on each person that comes in and, and have to deal with the infrastructure and, and the headaches that come with that. So I'd rather I'd rather sell more premium-priced things. And uh, actually, I just had a workshop on that on how to sell high-priced products and, and services uh, just because, you know, to me, and, and the lifestyle preference and business preference as far as keeping it small, and it makes all the sense for, for the way I do it. Um, so we have, you know, a couple front-end products that, you know, instant sales letters would be one of them, and then uh, a couple other ebooks and, and smaller downloadable products that are Internet marketing related. And then I have other stuff and, and other various niches that they're not, Then the back-ends aren't, aren't really fully developed on those. Another- and, then, uh, and then we'll have to go ahead, Adrian.
0: Sorry, another front end would be your. Uh, your you have a viral ebook. At least you had a couple of years ago. I remember seeing it. Is, is, is stuff yeah, up? yeah, that
1: was uh, <laughs> that was a couple of years back, which uh, I'm, I'm like surprised that it still makes sales and, and people still come in on that million dollar emails and uh, and autoresponder magic, or just two like kind of experiments where I've let people have a resell rights to it after they bought, and um, it, it kind of got out of hand. And, and then I lost control of, of where those things are, and, and the value of those things really tanked. But we still get sales every month for those products, which I think is kind of funny. Um, but, so yeah, get the yeah, people. Think so. Oh, sorry. To, sorry to jump to that again.
0: A. Okay, because the value is not necessarily in the, in, in the revenue generated from those products, but just the fact that they're still out there being sent around all over the place. It's branding you and driving people towards your other stuff. Is that would that be correct?
1: Yeah, that that would absolutely be correct. Uh, And if I knew what I knew now, I would have done a much better job of integrating name capture into all the books and and making sure that that people came to us to download it instead of uh, them being other people being able to to distribute it. But regardless, you're right. My my name is on each of those books, and so um, you know my my name gets branded more, and, and my company is you know for. For good and for bad, uh, it's really revolved around me as, as the person, the personality of the business. And so, so that gets my name out there a, a bit and, and people, uh, advertising us, you know, kinda, kinda through the, through the back doors, they're distributing this, this ebook. And so the, uh, the back ends, what you are originally asking about, I have a couple, Various backends. One is the seminar, that underground online seminar that we run once a year. Um, there is also my newsletter that I write every month. That's uh, eighty-seven dollars a month newsletter called the Underground Secret Society. And then, um, and then I have my, my mastermind groups that I run. I have two groups: a six-figure group and a seven-figure group. And they're small, uh, intimate groups that we meet three times a year. And then. Um, and then I do like usually like one little workshop a year, like a small you know, twenty to to thirty to forty person workshop. And that's. You know, and then I have, a, and then I'll create from those workshops. We'll create um, kind of workshop in a box products for so the DVDs and the manuals and so on. We'll go into a, a product and, and then get sold. And that's that's pretty much our main back end, I'd say.
0: So, so for all of those, I mean, you have different things generating leads for you. Um, you have the the viral ebooks that you did years ago that you know you don't spend much time on. You, you did the instant sales letters. What would you say is the primary source of leads into your business now?
1: Well, it, it's really it, it's hard to say if there's one. It's, it's a multitude of of open doors that we get people in through. And we have a we have a pretty large affiliate network of about forty forty three forty four thousand affiliates, and obviously not all those are active affiliates, but, but they do generate a significant amount of traffic and and nice amount of of revenue coming in. So that's if you know if, I, if you're going to pin me down and say what is the the one single thing I'd have to say is for our affiliate network.
0: Hmm. And so this is your own affiliate network that's closed and it runs only Yannick Silver products. Correct. All right. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Um, do you want to um, talk a little bit more about your seminar and some of the other things you're doing in, in that area? I know you've got some interesting stuff going on. Yeah.
1: I, I think the seminar is kind of cool, and it's, like I mentioned, an underground online seminar. It's a once-a-year thing. and What I think is interesting about it is I designed it to go the opposite way of, of what other seminars were in the internet marketing space. Uh, there's definitely no shortage of, of internet marketing seminars right now, as you know. And and so in, in that kind of marketplace, you really need I have what I call uh, I, I call a big hook or a big idea. And one of the ways of creating a big hook or a big idea is going the opposite direction of, of everyone else. And so the big idea for my underground seminar is that I bring in people who are for the most part, unknown, they're kind of under the radar. They're they're uh, you know average guys and gals, but they're making extraordinary amounts of money online, and you would never really know it. And it's through you know connections of friends, friends of friends, favors, you know that there's my my students, that they're part of my mastermind group, whatever the case is. However, by hook or by crook, I can get these guys and gals in there to present what they're doing. And it's been really well received. It's, um, sold out weeks in advance. Uh, it's not, it's not a cheap ticket by any, any stretch, but it's also a, a very good value. It's normally between two and two thousand and three thousand dollars a ticket, depending on when you get in. And, uh, like I said, it's always been sold out. And we've been fortunate to be able to get a great number of, uh, of people in there. And I try and have a whole lot of fun with it, too. That's the other thing about, for the most part, pretty much anything that I do um i I like to have a lot of fun with it because otherwise it's it's not really worth it to me uh so for this we we do a spy theme where uh we we do a we do a spy theme and um and and we, we you know try and play that up and so every year it's a different spy theme like uh last year it was mission profitable and i brought in peter graves from mission impossible from the tv show and the year before that, it was an Austin Powers theme, and I brought in Mini Me to, to, uh, to do that. So, you know, really, really try to have a good time, as well as, as, uh, as bring, make it, you know, really educational and, and worthwhile for people to, to show up at this thing. And, and I, I think people really appreciate that too, not just the, uh, the educational aspect, because it's, uh, at the end of the day, it's also about entertainment.
0: Hmm. That's an interesting point. So you try and build that entertainment everything, dude.
1: I try to, um, you know, it's, and I, I, do that, and I don't do it in a, in a fake kind of way, because it's just, you know, people, if they come, come to me in my little, I don't know, sphere of influence or my funnel or whatever the case is, they, they pretty quickly realize that, that, you know, Yannick, the guy who writes his blog about, uh, I don't know, Going off on a, on a zero G flight or something is, is the same guy that you would meet in person and, you know, I don't, I don't stretch the, stretch what I'm about or I just really, that's, it's what I'm about and, and, and I, I, think you can, you can, you know, really bring your personality into your business more than, uh, than most people do. And a great example of that in a, in a bigger company, it doesn't necessarily have to be a smaller company like, like, like mine, uh, where it's, you know the difference between small and large, and bring your personality in is one or the other. I mean, look at look at Virgin, perfect example. Richard Branson has his, his personality stamped pretty much all over um, each one of the companies that he, he has under on their, on their, uh, all his different subsidiaries, and that's one of the reasons uh, I signed up for his uh, his spaceflight, the Virgin Galactic deal. Uh, because I, I love that that kind of stuff, all the adventures and unique experiences, and um, you know, just his his brand, that personal image and that personality shines through, and and it's really attractive.
0: What is the what is the the deal that you sign up for with Richard Branson?
1: It's uh, Virgin Galactic. It's a, his space deal. It's a suborbital space flight. Hopefully, going off two thousand nine. I'd, I'd probably make a bet for two thousand ten. Um, I am number one hundred fifty two um on, on the space flight and you gotta, uh, you gotta put in a pretty hefty deposit to, uh, to secure your space there.
0: Uh, so can you tell us how much do you have to put down?
1: Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> the flight's $200,000, uh, you have to put down 175000 to be, uh, in one of the, the, uh, the second hundred group. The first hundred's already sold out.
0: You had to put down $175,000 to reserve your spot?
1: That is correct, sir. And you don't get any interest on it or anything.
0: And and your number one hundred and fifty. So there was rather quite a few sign ups.
1: I'm one fifty two, yeah. Uh, so like I said, the first hundred slots are closed, so I'm number fifty two of the second hundred. <laughs> Not bad. But you know, it's what's interesting and uh the way uh the way they one of the ways they sold me on it was uh and it, and and this is something i I've, I've talked about too. At that uh, the little workshop I did on some high priced products, because this is, I'd say, a pretty high priced product, uh, is that all all the same stuff applies. It's just a, a different way of, of of using it. So they got me with the the bonuses that there's going to be parties for Virgin Galactic astronauts, and and Richard Branson's going to be there, and you can meet him, and um, you know that there's all these special things going on, and. And you know, if you're, you could put a twenty thousand dollars deposit in, but then you're like number one thousand uh, plus. And so, you know, essentially, it's the the bonuses that got me to, to step up to the, that other level.
0: So they, so you could sign up at a different level in the program depending on how much money you put down. Is that right?
1: Correct. Yeah.
0: And what what did you have to be to be in like the top ten or the top fifty?
1: Uh, that was already closed. You, you put down the full amount, but that was like two years ago.
0: And how much was the full amount? $200,000.
1: Right.
0: Right. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's fascinating. I can tell you one little side story on that. Um, did you hear of a guy who paid $20 million to the Russians to go into the space about maybe years ago? Uh,
1: yeah, I mean, there, there's a couple of people that have done it. Is uh, that Dennis Tito? Or?
0: Mark Shuttleworth. He's actually a friend of mine.
1: Oh, he's a friend of yours. Oh, really?
0: Yeah.
1: Um, okay, cool. I mean, yeah was, yeah I mean yeah, there yeah there's a couple people that, are, that have done that and that's uh, I mean that's a, kind of a different deal as you go up to the uh, to the space station and that's that's pretty exciting
0: that's a little more high price he talked to me a little bit during when he was negotiating it and it sounds like it was it wasn't that easy to work it out with the Russians and you know he told me at one point it's like 5050 or whether it's going to go forward but it did and, and <laughs> I think he, he had fun with it I I'm, I'm uh, hoping to get in in fact, he's promised me to do an interview, and we'll, we'll get one at some point. But I don't know when. But uh, yeah, that
1: would be awesome. Yeah, yeah it sounds like a, like a fun guy.
0: Yours, I think yours sounds like a little bit more reasonably priced, though. <laughs> twenty million for that stuff is pretty-
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's all it's all relative, is yeah. it? If, if I had twenty million dollars to spend, I might I might consider uh, doing that one. <laughs>
0: yeah, I guess. So back to back to um, direct response now. You're you're a direct response guy. You like to measure metrics. You like tracking and monitoring numbers and all that sort of good stuff. Um, So, but what I'm interested in is that, how does it? Once you have a customer in in your business, do you measure how that customer does? For example, could you say, well, Adrian, I know that my customer, my average customer in a year spends with me three hundred and fifty dollars across all of my customers, or do you just have? Front ends that are out there that are generating leads for you, and then you're doing um, JV stuff that drives other leads, and and then that goes into your business, and and then you just put um, reasonably attractive things in place in the back end so that they and and you you aim to make those as profitable as possible. Do you, do you have metrics across it, or is it is it just kind of serendipity?
1: I, I'm not the, the total numbers guy, and so uh, now I, I don't I don't track all the way back like that. It's, it's really really hard so some, so i guess the answer is no
0: it's it's important to you to run a, a what you call a lifestyle business um but what really yeah. mean? i mean it's it's obviously easy to say well yeah you know i'm doing tim ferris four-hour work week and i you know all i hitting sit in the sun and all that sort of thing. But when it really comes down to it i know you do actually work pretty hard um and i'm, I'm, I'm interested to know like what kind of hours do you actually work and and, and how hard do you really push things
1: uh, that's a good question. Actually, I saw Tim yesterday uh, at, at a conference he was speaking at and right around the corner from me. And we were talking a little bit about this. And, and you know, a lot of people misconstrue what he talks about in the four-hour work week of, you know, hey, you should just work four hours a week and that's it and go lounge around for the rest of the time. And, and that's not exactly what he's saying. And it's not quite what, what I uh, ascribe to either. Um, so the hours I put in... Mm-hmm. I don't know. If, um, you know, I'll, I'll typically work a handful of like maybe, maybe like two hours on on uh, on the weekends, and then um, and then during the weekdays it might be. Um, I don't know. I'd be lucky if I got maybe five hours in a day. Um, so. So, you know, but then again, if there's something going on, like if we're doing a product launch or something like that, then, you know, you found me on am before uh, Adrian at like 2 o'clock in the morning or or whatever the case is. So, you know, there's there certain times when I'm definitely pushing to get stuff done because there's deadlines and things have to happen, and, and other times it's just, hey, look, Let's just chill out a little bit more and and, and, and enjoy things going on and, and work on some, some new projects and, and get those going and, and let the other stuff pretty much run itself.
0: But So when you're not doing, when you're not like before a conference or you've not got some other stuff, you know, something going on, are you doing an average of five hours a day to maintain things or is that five hours a day and then also maybe a couple of hours a day building new stuff?
1: The, uh, the five hours, it's definitely not... Just to maintain, um, that's that's way too much. I mean, as far as maintaining, I'd say I'd say about an hour a day, maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe sometimes two hours a day to, to maintain stuff. And so the rest of that time might be um, writing content. You know, so I have a monthly newsletter, so it'd be you know spending a day and a half or two days writing my newsletter, or it could be um, you know working on. Emails for the promotions for, for stuff that's going out, so it's, it's more proactive stuff. Hmm.
0: Right. Um, do you, would you say? I mean, because one of the things that some of the, the, the guys doing a lot of volume get burned out, um, and they feel, you know it's it's stressful, and they they want to have a more relaxed lifestyle they can disconnect from at times. How long could you disconnect for? I mean, if you wanted to go to live in Brazil in the in the in the jungle in Brazil. Could you be offline for three months and things would be fine?
1: No, I don't. I don't think I have it totally wired in where, where I could do it like that. Uh, just because we don't have the the, uh, the support staff that, that I need to be able to do that, um, I can I can definitely go off for you know a couple weeks with, with no problem, um, and and things would get handled. But I think three months would. Probably wouldn't wouldn't work out as well. Um, I'd like to have it down to that point. Hopefully, hopefully soon, it would be great. And and you know, creating a few more systems and and things in place that, that people could handle without me here. Um, I'm still since since it's a, a smaller, leaner company, I'm still probably involved in a handful of things that I really. Don't need to be involved in and and shouldn't be involved in. And and, you know, trying to think of what it would take to go off on a sabbatical for three months and um, go hang out would be would be a really worthwhile exercise. Actually, probably for most people, um, even if you never did it and just to to see what it would take and and get those systems in place. So that that would be a, a real worthwhile exercise that I'm going to seriously consider.
0: And so, with the way you're working now, I mean, let's say if you were allowed to get online, and let's say you were going to move to we're going to move to this um, this jungle in Brazil, and you were yeah. internet access twice a week for an hour each time, so you get two hours of internet access a week. How long do you think you could keep things running with those two hours a week?
1: Um, that would be a lot easier. Um, I, I think we could easily run it at 75, 80 percent capacity for, for that time. For pretty much indefinitely
0: I mean like things like your seminar you, you wouldn't be able to do new product launches and things like your seminars but you could keep most of the other stuff just still up and chugging along would that be correct
1: exactly yeah um, yeah probably probably not the I'm just trying to think if I could promote a, a seminar or whatever and, and just twice a week and um, I, you know what I, I, I possibly could. I think, uh, I think I think I possibly could do it because a lot of the pieces are already written and so on that it wouldn't be rewriting it. Um, and it, it would just be yeah, I, I would give it a a good eighty five ninety percent chance of of being able to get some new stuff out there too at the same time.
0: but i'm I'm talking this is you're talking actual extra work time. And I'm not. I'm talking. This is like the two hours a week you get to work. I'm not talking like actual connected access. Oh,
1: you're, oh, you're talking. About, okay, so I can't. I can't even touch my computer aside from those two hours. You're saying. Okay, well that that makes it a little more difficult. Uh, yeah, yeah. So so uh, yeah, I probably wouldn't. Yeah, I, I'd give it a, a maybe a fifty percent chance now that I could I could uh, launch any anything. I, uh, yeah, it, it'd be a lot tougher. I think.
0: But you could keep your current systems running with those two hours a week is that correct?
1: Oh absolutely yeah that would be that would be easy.
0: So would, would it be a correct answer to say then with the, the income that you have generated right now and you, you've moved you've decided whatever reason that you don't want to live in the US anymore and you want to go and just backpack through third world countries where there's no real internet access you could you could indefinitely and, and potentially so we're saying now for the potentially for the rest of your life, Keep all of these things up and running to some level. Obviously, business changes, but you should be able to keep them generally running by checking in two hours a week. And maybe over you know, a year or two, you're going to have to re- recalibrate things. But in general, do you think, that, do you think that, am I, am I, am I off base, or is is this?
1: I I think you're you're pretty. I think you're pretty close. I mean, I I'll definitely see some dips in in, in revenue. No, no doubt about it. Like, um, if I don't have access to a computer, then I wouldn't be able to write my my monthly newsletter and. And so that's a nice chunk of, of the revenue and wouldn't be able to put on the seminar like, like uh, we were talking about. But, you know, I, I'd say we might have a, a six, you know, be running at 60, 70% of what, what I'm doing.
0: So you think you could be doing a, a half a year by, by doing something like that?
1: Yeah, I, I, I think so. I think that's pretty reasonable.
0: Because if you go and move off to like, I don't know, Kazakhstan or China or someplace, that uh, one and a half million a year you could probably buy half the country with that.
1: I could probably do okay for yeah for somewhere else. I don't, I don't think Missy, my wife, would, would want to go off with me there. But
0: <laughs> it's obviously practical, <laughs> practical thing behind. It as well, yeah. but just a, just a theoretical. That's that's interesting as to how disconnected you can get because that's one of the key points that um, most of the guys I interview couldn't do that even for a minute. They can barely leave their businesses for a day. Um, Whereas you've got everything
1: set up, or where you can. No, I wouldn't say everything, but you know, but the most part of it, yeah.
0: But but I am realistic in saying this two hours a week is enough to keep the things keep the things running along, am I? Or yeah. Am I...
1: yeah, I think so. Yeah. Uh-huh.
0: Hmm, okay. Um, so another area um, you've you've spent a lot of time in, and is is your one of your areas of forte is uh, copywriting. Um, and it's an area both of us find interesting. And the the general, the, a lot of the, the mass market guys aren't aren't that strong in copy. They just throw up pages and you know put some words on there that's written by their, their technical guy who's who's a programmer and you know barely gets out of his basement and still lives with his parents. Um, but copywriting is a strength of yours, and, and writing and, and being able to craft the words that really get people's attention. And, Maybe you just want to talk a little bit about what got you into that, and, and who some of your major influences are, and some of the benefits you've seen from being able to write strong copy that convinces people.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, to me, copy is uh, is one of the most leverageable activities that you can do, and that's that's why I I started studying it and, and applying it, and and really trying to hone it, uh, because I can write uh, a sales letter for the web or direct mail or whatever the case is, and and do that work one time, but and I can, instead of calling on a one person, I can literally, you know, call on millions of people that can come visit our website or millions of people that we can reach via direct mail or whatever the case is. And so I figured, you know, that, that's one of the skills that I could really develop that would help me um, increase my, my income and, and revenue tremendously beyond the hours that I work. And there's there's definitely a whole art and science operating that you know we're not going to be able to, to cover in the couple minutes that, that we got left. Uh, but some of my the people that, that I really learned a, a ton from are, are believe it or not are are like the old mail order people who uh, didn't have the benefit of the internet or email or, or a fax machine and they had to get responses from people. So they had all these things against them, and those people really knew how to create the words that, that elicited action that, that created uh that persuaded people to, to give them money, sight unseen for for something. And that's really what we're doing on, on the web. Well we got a whole lot of other tools at our disposal now like adding video or adding audio to our sites and making our sites come alive and so on and, and even user generated content and and so on and interactions that can help create more sales. But you know, when it comes down to it it's, uh, it's all about, to me, copywriting is about, about psychology and understanding human psychology. So um, the, my favorite book on that is uh, Robert Cialdini, Influence of Psychology of Persuasion. Mm-hmm. It's a book I've read about nine times. Uh, then the, uh, the old mail order direct response guys are uh, people like Claude Hopkins. Um, John Caples had a, a really big background in this. Maxwell Sackheim, who's the guy who founded uh, the Book of the Month Club in, I think, the early 40s, if I'm not mistaken, somewhere in that, in that area. And so these are guys who, uh, John E. Kennedy, uh, these are guys who lived and died by the result of, of their advertising.
0: But so let's say I'm, I'm generating a million dollars worth of leads every month, I'm, and they're, let's say they're mortgage leads, um, and it's working great, um, and you know I'm making tons of money, and frankly, Yannick, I'm making more money than you. So, what are you, who are you to tell me about copy? I mean, I just have one of my tech guys um, just design the pages really quickly so they look nice. How is what you're going to talk? How is what you're talking about? How can that help me? <laughs>
1: um, well, it's it's like uh, there's a saying: little little hinges swing big doors, and I think. Probably a lot of a lot of the guys who are going to be hearing this are, are probably pretty good at, at testing, and if, if they're not, they should get better. And I'm I'm not the uh, I'm not the most avid tester, unfortunately. It's just not my my forte. But I've been seeing some really interesting results when I when I've done it. And you know you can there's always it's always asking yourself you know how much how much higher is high and and what can you get to and so it's um, by by little tweaks by adding even like. Even little more, I think more psychological nuances would probably be even more valuable than, than learning all there is to know about, about copy. But having little, little psychological tweaks like, uh, like using a reason why in your copy. So if you're trying to get someone to to do an action and to do something, you know, what's the reason why that, that you're asking them for that? And if people read that, the the book by Cialdini is a really fascinating experiment on that. Um, or trying to create uh, a commitment consistency type um, type ongoing process. So, Rich, um,
0: that, and I mean I asked that in a direct way, but I, I, I ask that because I know that's what's going to be on people's minds. Is because I see that uh, a lot of these guys do uh, quite a lot of testing, but they don't use testing with a lot of finesse, and so they'll discover something, for example, in the debt space. Uh, a few years ago, there was, it was just originally debt leads, and then it became women's debt leads, and then Christian Christian debt relief. Um, Christian, so that was a good hook, but that's the, that's the only thing they do on it. And then the landing page design, in my opinion, is pretty poor. And so it seems to me that using some of the stuff that you're talking about here with copy, well, not it seems to be. I mean, I know because I've tested some of this. It can dramatically improve the conversion rates, dramatically. Like take a, a debt page that's doing a 10% conversion rate for, for leads and double that to 20 and still be delivering the same quality of leads, just because it's more persuasive in getting the leads to sign up. That then uh, very, very strong.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, the, I totally agree. I mean, if you uh, even something as simple as, as headlines, um, if, if somebody just dashes off something like you, like you said, if they got their tech guy to, to write up their landing page, and and you know the, the headline. I mean, that's critical. And um, in, in direct mail, you know, there's a term called above the fold. And I think it carries over for for the online world is you know what we have in our first screen that the that the uh, the visitor sees is so critically important. And one of the biggest things is is your headline and just working on on a new headline can have a dramatically different um, uh, effect on, on your on your bottom line and conversions and lead generation and so on. Yeah.
0: All right. Um, so we have talked about a lot about your stuff, and I know we're running out of time. Um Is there anything else that you would like to talk about that uh, we haven't covered?
1: No, well, that's, that's probably about it, I think, Adrian. Okay. I don't know. I mean, we, want, we could talk about a couple different headline ideas that might help people yeah. and, and maybe wrap up. Yeah, it sounds great. Because, you know, like I said, the um, you know, headline's super important, and uh, you know, sometimes maybe people have heard different stats about, you know, headline 70% or 80% or 90% of that, and I, I pretty much say who cares what the percentage is It's a huge part of it, and you've got seconds online. There's no doubt about it. you got milliseconds sometimes to capture uh, your ideal prospect and, and pretty much stop them dead in their tracks and get them to read what's next on the page. So it's got to answer the, the so what, who cares, what's in it for me, and then why are you bothering me? And so there's six big basic headline ideas that I use a lot is uh, offering a, a big promise or self-serving benefit to the reader. Um, so, like, a how-to headline would be a perfect one there. And you can almost it, – it, it's funny. It's like people, for the, sometimes they don't want to go to the old tried-and-true headlines. Like, how-to is, has been used forever. But how-to forces us to create something that, that's benefit-driven to, uh, to, the, to the user. So, you know, how-to, whatever, get on, out of the, the – get from under the pile of debt that you have um, – the another basic headline idea is, is flagging your ideal prospect so like a arthritis. like or, in uh, a
0: in a mortgage example that could be like how to how to get your um, how to buy your dream house um, through a really cheap mortgage
1: yeah exactly yeah i mean how to is, is is easy um, and the flagging stuff would be you know attention um you know, attention whatever, uh, people with, people looking for new mortgages or people are looking for, uh, their, their new house or, um, attention, uh, you know, like, like you said, uh, the Christian, uh, debt relief space. So it would be attention, attention Christians with, uh, with debt problems or something like that. Uh, so a flagging headline really works. So. Um, the other, another basic headline idea is giving people news, so announcing something or a new discovery, or um, because you know people are always looking for what's the new thing. If you offer a quick and easy solution, that'd be number four. Um, asking a provoking question, which that one's really interesting, and it's a, especially better if you can't answer it yes or no. One of the longest running headlines uh, by someone I mentioned is Maxwell Sackheim, and he was selling a course on English and his headline was do you make these mistakes in English mm-hmm. and uh, the key word there was these because people had to look at it and and look at what are these mistakes not do you make mistakes in English because that could be pretty easily brushed off as nah you know no big deal or you know my grammar's perfect but uh, just getting people to engage with a uh, uh, provoking question is really good and then the the other last big idea is your headline should make a reader or visitor inclined to keep uh, reading, keep scrolling, keep going through your, your, your sequential sales process. And you can use curiosity, but it's really dangerous if you use curiosity only by itself. And, uh, one of my, my favorite examples is, uh, of this done right. So curiosity with a benefit is, uh, from my friend John Carlton. And he has a headline of amazing secret discovered by a one-legged golfer at 50 yards to your drive, make hooks and slices and can slash up to 10 strokes from your game almost overnight so it's a big benefit really specific benefit tied in with the curiosity of the story of the one-legged golfer
0: right and so when you're writing a headline you'll you'll try to use at least one or more of those as you're doing the headline
1: exactly yeah a lot of times I'll, I'll combine several of them and see what I can come up with I will write 75 to 100 headlines in fact uh, when I'm writing a soap opera, so uh, that's another thing that most people don't want to put their time into, and, and they might write five or ten headlines and think they got it. And in most cases, your best headlines are going to come from um, further further down in the in the you know, just, you know in the bubbling up creative process. So
0: you'll just sit down and you know you'll work on it for a couple of days and come up with another ten or twenty every day. Is that how you do it?
1: Uh, usually it's in one one or two sittings, and I got I, I got a bunch of swipe files that I, I might use that that are successful headlines from from past promotions that other people have done to just kind of yeah you know, just kind of jumpstart your brain a little bit, and then you start going off on tangents based on what you've written there.
0: Hmm. And so you will take your seventy five or hundred. How do you decide which one to run with?
1: Well, then it's uh, a different part of your brain that, that kicks in, and it's more of an analysis, and you're looking at what which one has the most powerful impact, and and which ones are are the ones that are worth testing. So you can you can pretty much boil it down to ten good ones from those seventy-five to hundred, and 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 you know the other ones that I don't end up using as the main headline, they also don't get wasted. They they get used for subheads throughout the copy they get used for opening uh, sentences paragraphs they get used for a PS and a sales letter um, so so they they don't they don't get wasted
0: that's really interesting because you do uh, that's something I've noticed in your copy that I've seen you have very good headlines you really do your headlines are very to the point and like uh, they really have gotten my attention cool is there anything else you want to add in closing
1: no I think uh, I think we would kind of covered it um you know it's just a it's a really really exciting time to be part of part of the internet and be able to to build uh your business really around around your lifestyle around what you're you're passionate about and and excited about and, and to me that that means uh means everything
0: yeah it's good stuff going on well yannick thanks very much for your time
1: adrian yeah i appreciate it thank you